The Golf King Podcast is a production of Autry Media and is made possible by you, the listener. You can support the program by liking, subscribing, and rating us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, and now on with the show. No, 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 no. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Golf King Podcast. I'm your host, David King. It's good to be back with you now in 2023. We started this journey back in 2022, took a break. A little bit longer than a break that I wanted to, but now I'm here. A lot went happened over the holiday season. This podcast was supposed to pick back up in January. Um, but unfortunately, just a lot happened in the personal life. But here we are. So I'm happy to be here with you guys. Happy to be back um, with you. This is a Golf King podcast where we help you golf like a king. Everything from reviews on uh, equipment, courses, interviews with pros, you name it. It's all going to be here on the podcast. I'm very, very excited. Uh, it's going to be a very big year. We've got uh, some really big trips planned. Uh, they're in the works right now. They're not hundred percent confirmed, but they kind of are confirmed. Um, I have some trips to Michigan, uh, Alabama. And so we'll be talking about that. Um, hopefully we'll get some of the, um, staff at these golf courses on. We'll talk to them and interview them and talk to them about the, the courses and the overall experience. Um, I believe treetops golf resort. And Gaylord, that'll be in June, guys. So if you check back then, um, but we're kind of hoping. I'm really excited about that. I'm so excited to go play golf in Michigan. One, because Michigan's my home city, or excuse me, home state. I love Michigan. I think the Midwest has some of the best golf courses in the United States. Um, just in my personal opinion, I, you know, you just, I'll put it this way. The Midwest, I think, has the best, the best golf courses in a like. If you want to go to a state or go to a region where, because we all know you get like TPC, you know, Sawgrass, whatever. We can all argue what's the best golf course in in pro golf, and we can. There's that's a debate that can go on to the end of time. But when you want to like live in a place where you have an abundance of good golf courses. I think the Midwest really takes the cake because it's just a good climate for that sort of grass that, that, that the fescue and everything that they grow there just does so well. The greens are usually in are well-managed and, and they're near perfection. And these, and these are at like public courses. It's very rare that you'll find public courses in, in the Midwest that are just absolute trash. Now I'm not saying that they don't exist and, and gen, but generally speaking, when the weather is cooperative, when it's, it's typical Midwest weather, you're not in like a weird drought year or anything like that. These golf courses, all of them from the public ones that are like mom and pop nickel and dime golf courses on up to your tours, tour level courses or resorts. They're just, they're good courses. Now they may not be anything like exciting in terms of the way they play, but their condition you know, their overall quality is, is, uh, above reproach, if you will. I mean, I live down in Georgia. Um, and the, you know, the trade-off to that is you only get three or four solid months of golf in, in like, in some place like Michigan, you know, you're only going to get after that's going to be wishy-washy weather. It could be cold, could be hot. You don't really know. You could golf in April, in, in, in Michigan, but it's probably going to be very unlikely that you're going to golf in April in Michigan. Now you can golf, you can golf almost year round in Georgia. It's one of the, that's one of the, that's one of the benefits of living in the South. You could say, you could say the Midwest has some of the, the most, the best abundance of high, highly maintained, high quality courses, right? You, you go anywhere in the Midwest and you're, you're guaranteed that you're going to have your pick of the litter of great golf courses to go play on because of just the, the conditions, the weather, everything. It's just good for golf, right? But you only get a, you got a very small window to go and enjoy it. Unless you don't care about golfing in the cold, you, then you may have a much larger window, but let's just assume for the sake of 
of this conversation that you're a normal human being and you don't want to freeze your butt off when you play golf, the Midwest is a great place to go golf. Now, the trade-off is if you go to the South, there are lots of great golf courses in the South. But one thing I've noticed, when you get down to like the nickel and dime courses, the you're paying 20 to $30 for an 18-hole round. Um, and I know some people might go, I don't pay anything less than $70 to play golf. Well, I'm talking about like the blue-collar guys out there playing golf. I, I'm telling you right now, there are courses in Michigan that are 20 to $30 to play a round of golf. And they are of the quality of a 70 to a hundred dollar around golf in, in Georgia, hands down the quality. I'm not going to say that there is spectacular, right? Visually, or there's not all these bunkers and things like that. But in terms of the quality, because to me, I love, I absolutely love, you know, the, the views and the, the, the playability, like how hard is it? Is there all these, like, you know, are the fairways narrow? Are they, are they narrow and wide? Like, I love all of that, but honestly, like above anything else, I just want a course that I can play and that's playable. I don't like dead grass. I don't like, I like to see a transition from the rough into the fairway. I, I don't want it to all look like just a big open grassy burned field. I like the greens to be able to, I like to be able to put the greens you may laugh and say, Dave, what are you talking about? Where are you playing golf where you can't do this? I have played golf in plenty of places where the greens are atrocious and you cannot tell the difference between the rough and the fairway. It's really, there's no bad shot because it's all just burned up short grass. You see a lot of that in Georgia. And that's unfortunate, I know. But the reason why you see that is because we have very harsh, very harsh summers. And unless the golf course has the budget to keep that maintained, which costs a tremendous amount of money. I, I don't even, I, I cannot, I'm going to be interviewing groundskeepers and stuff on this podcast. I'm going to be excited to hear like just the amount of painstaking work it takes to keep these courses up and running. But you have more time to play golf in Georgia, but you will have fewer courses that are going to be very affordable that are going to play well. You can go spend the 20 and 30. I listen, there's a course near me. I'm not going to say it. Um, but there is a course near me. That is a, basically a $20 round of golf course. Uh, it is like the, it's a, it's bad. I know they're trying, they're, they're doing their best to make improvements of it. And you know what? I really hope that one day they do. I hope that that place becomes a lot nicer, but right now it's just, you know, it is what it is. And it's not like there's time that most of the time you can't even putt. Um, I generally will try to putt the first front nine, but after a while I'll just, you know, depending on where my ball lands in the green, I'll either add two putts or one putt. You know, if I'm within, you know, a certain, cause cause at this point it's like, you can't putt the, the greens are so poor that the ball doesn't roll. Like you, you putt it and the ball like bounces like a three inches in the air. Cause it hits a divot or, patch a dead spot or something. It's ridiculous. We've all been there. Any average golfer has played a course like this. They've all done it because it's cheap. It's $20, $30 course. You can afford it. You and your bros want to go out for a weekend. You probably don't even need a tee time. You can just stroll right up to that place. We've all been there. It's almost like a guilty pleasure because it's like, yeah, I don't need a tee time. I don't need anything. I just show up whenever I feel like it. If I have the itch to go play golf, I can go there like on a whim, put an 18 and no problem. Is it going to be like the best experience of my life? No. Is it going to be incredibly frustrating because there's no markers to tell you how far you are so you better have a rangefinder? Yes. But it is what it is. It's kind of charming in a way. Uh, but I am totally looking forward to this Gaylord, Michigan trip. And then I'm going to be in Alabama. Prior to that, Alabama is going to be May 15th through the 20th. Um, again, so check out for that. Uh, other exciting news coming up guys. Uh, we will be doing some interviews. I'm going to try to get some guys. I'm going to be at the, doo -doo 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 -doo. I'll be working, um, the Mitsubishi electric classic, which is the tour champions, uh, event in here in Georgia. I work it every year. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of really, really great people and I've got to know a lot of great players. Um, it's, it should be pretty exciting. Uh, let's see. When is that? I need to find out. I know it's, yes, that's in May. Um, 
Yes. So we're going to try to get some of the players on to do an interview. At the very least, we'll probably um, we'll probably at least get the press interviews on the show. Uh, I can't I can't guarantee that I can lock in some of these guys. Like I said, I've, I've made some pretty good relationships with some of the players on the tour championship or the tour champions. Um, but or the champions tour rather, I'm getting that backwards. I apologize. I've, I, uh, I've made some good friends. So I'm going to try to get them on the podcast that week. So check that out. That'll be really exciting if we can do it. And I think we, I think we will uh, probably be later. Uh, once the tournament's coming to a close, these guys are pretty serious competitors. Even in, even on this tour, they're they they are locked in, um, and it's a lot of fun. If you're in the Georgia area and you haven't been to the Mitsubishi Electric Classic, I would recommend you go. It's a good, it's a fun weekend. The weather's generally pretty good. I know I just probably jinxed it. Knock on wood. Um, I really hope it will be good. But for the last few years, we've had like last year it rained, but it didn't rain the whole time. Um, thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good event. Lots to do. They have a kid zone there. So if you have a kid, you can bring them uh, a really cool thing too. If you do have a child who's interested in golf, they'll have a uh, kind of an autograph section off of the 18th green where the kids can hang out and get autographs from the players coming off the course. So it's a lot of fun. If you, if it's, if you're looking for something to do, it's in Duluth, Georgia, March, uh, no, that's not right. I'm sorry, guys. I was looking at the wrong event. Here we go. May 5th through the 7th, TPC Sugarloaf, um, hopefully doing a review of that course here very soon on the YouTube channel. Uh, that's some other news to bring up. Um, since we're coming back, this is kind of a, a mixed bag of some news, like what, what to expect with the Golf King, what, where we're going with this, what we what we want to do. Um, you know, we're primarily going to be a show where we, we talk about, uh, we review equipment, we review golf courses primarily though. That's going to be the big, the big thing is I'm going around, we're, we're going to these call golf courses. We're going to do video, uh, the podcast section of it. We'll be interviewing the pros there and, and the staff and who, whoever else is important. And so that's one thing to look forward to. And, and uh, I'm hoping, so the YouTube channel is not up and running yet. It's still in the works. So keep your, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, I have all, I have everything I need to do the videos. Um, it's just a matter of sending everything up. We would in, in the thing about Georgia that's different again from like, say the Midwest is everything here is Bermuda and Zoysia grass in terms of golf courses. And so in the winter time, when it gets cold, uh, Zoysia and Bermuda goes dormant and it turns Brown. And this was something I kind of wasn't really thinking about when I started the golf King podcast last year, I started in the fall. I was getting everything together and setting everything up, getting all the email templates and everything to send off to these golf courses so we could review them and do videos. And I'm like, Oh goodness. I'm like, great. I just realized we're moving into the winter season. All of these, all of these golf courses are going to be Brown. They're just going to be tan and Brown. They're not going to be pretty. Nobody's going to want you to review their course when it's tan and Brown. And so uh, we had to kind of take a little hiatus, but um, nonetheless, it's, it's back up and running. We're going to be doing, uh, a couple different courses. I'm really hoping to get TPC Sugarloaf on there. I've had some connections over there. So I'm thinking we could probably get that one uh, sooner than later, but I do have some other ones in the works and uh, yeah, look for those. It's going to be on the YouTube channel, golf King YouTube channel. And uh, eventually this podcast will be also a video. So it'll be a vlog as well. So once that's set up, so a lot, a lot to coming down the pipeline and I hope you'll join me along uh, in this journey. And if you like it, tell a friend, that helps more than anything. You can like and subscribe. You can basically listen to this podcast anywhere where you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Twitcher, whatever these kids are using these days. It's on everything. And you can go on there and review it, like it, subscribe. Um, that would be fantastic. And then likewise, if you do Spotify, we'll be doing like Spotify polls where you can, where I'll ask you questions about maybe like the live golf or PGA golf questions and get your feedback. So look for those as well. All right. Busy weekend. Let's get into it. Let's stop talking about me. Let's talk about some golf. Busy weekend. We had live golf and we had PGA golf. And so it was a great weekend. If you're a golf fan, you had more than enough golf to watch. Probably too much. Couldn't catch it all. Um, 
We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And then also we've got some golf USGA RA proposed plan to roll back golf ball for elite players. We're going to talk about this golf ball situation because I don't, I don't want to get too deep into it yet. Cause I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but golly, I don't think anybody likes it. I haven't met anyone who likes this golf ball rollback. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So Danny Lee, man, Danny Lee, let's play that. Holy moly. Danny Lee at live golf. Ah, unbelievable. What a win. Huge playoff. You know, I love playoffs. I like playoffs and live. I like playoffs in the PGA. I don't care. There's, you know, I know the media, my media friends would be like, Oh, we hate playoffs. We just want it to be, we want to, we want to secure the winner and go home. No, I love playoffs. That makes for very exciting golf. It makes for exciting anything. Uh, I think of hockey uh, overtime, uh, especially with the shootout and everything else. It's just fantastic. Here it is. Live win. Here's Danny Lee's win at live. Give that a smack. Danny Lee. Oh, goodness me. Danny Lee. In only his second live golf event has tasted glory already. What a way to finish it. So, yeah, there you go. Big, big, gigantic win there for Danny Lee. Uh, congrats to you, sir. Um, came down to a four-man playoff there. So you had Danny Lee, Luis, Luis Ostuizen. I'm sure I butchered that. Brandon Steele and Carlos Ortiz all kind of went over there. They finished nine under par for the day. Uh, very exciting. I would always love a, a good uh, playoff in golf, especially if there's like more than one person. Uh, all in all, uh, just, just a very exciting round. You know, the one thing I'm going to say, I've been, I'm on Twitter now. You can follow me, the golf King, you go to my, my Twitter handle uh, at the underscore golf King. Uh, and follow me on Twitter. I'm always following the latest news and keeping up with kind of everything that's going on there. And one of the things I've been hearing is, you know, that the live, the live tour is kind of boring, right? That there's always going to be the, the obvious live haters that are going to bash live for everything. They're going to have something negative to say and whatever. If you don't like the live, that's fine. That's pl- There's plenty of golf for you uh, elsewhere. Certainly this past weekend. Um, but there are certainly a lot of, there were some comments I saw on, you know, under this, the end of this, this tournament today or yesterday, rather. And everyone's just kind of saying like, you know, where's everybody at? Uh, you know, where's all the top players? They're, you know, they're, they're, this is kind of a snooze fest, you know, and, and in many ways they're right. You know, to be fair, they're a hundred percent correct. There, there is, Nobody who was a top 10 golfer last year is in the top 10 and live this, this past weekend. You had Danny Lee winning this weekend and you had uh, Charles Howell, the third of all people winning the, the weekend prior to that. And so you can make the argument that it is a bit of a snooze. The, the next closest guy yes, Sergio Garcia uh, tied sixth. Uh, he's really the most known relevant guy uh, in the top 10 for live. You could you can make that argument. You you some people may come on here and say, David, why would you, you know, I don't know. Kevin Nas, my man, Dave. Like, why would you say that? It's like, okay, fair enough. Like, leave me alone. I'm just making a point that your top ten PGA or like top ten oh you know official world ranking golfers are nowhere to be found, and they haven't really been performing very well this season. Uh, we have here, you know, Sergio Garcia was T six, you know, whatever. But down below, you have Pat Perez at T13, tied 13. Dustin Johnson finished tied 13 at 500 par. Uh, you have Patrick Reed at tied 18, 400 par. Bubba Watson was tied 20. Uh, let's see here. Brooks, yeah, Brooks Kepka was tied 24. Harold Varner, the third, 24. Cam Smith, 24th. So they finished tied 24. Cam Smith finished tied 24th. 
two under par. You know, these guys didn't play horrible golf. I mean, uh, Cam Smith was very um, consistent, 70, 71, 70, and 70 for the th- for the weekend. Um, But two under par, and he's nowhere near the top, and it, you just kind of have to wonder, like, man, what's going on here? Uh, you know, we don't expect Phil Mickelson to be in the top 10. He very rarely is. He's tied. He's finished 30. Um, and then you come down here. It's just, it's really strange. And then the biggest thing, and it's really been kind of a strange uh, story, is Bryson DeChambeau, man. I mean, tie 44th place plus seven uh, for the for the tournament. It's just like, what happened to Bryson? And that's another thing I've been seeing on Twitter as well, which is people asking, like, what happened to him? What's going on with this game? Is he kind of falling off? Is he, is he done? Um, you know, he's got this YouTube thing now, and he's more probably interested in that than really professional golf. And, yeah, that's probably the case. Um, who knows? You know, like, golf is like that. You can have great years. You can have great rounds and then come out. the. You can have a lightning you can come out hot as hell on a Saturday and come out cold on a Sunday. It's just that fast. It can turn around on you, let alone what your season could look like. You just never know. And so for all we know, Bryson could just have it. He could turn it around at any moment. Um, you just don't know. And, you know, this is the problem that I think Liv is going to have. Because here's the thing. The people that are saying that it's not entertaining, it's not very fun, it's boring, the top players aren't winning, they're not in the top five or ten, and they're not they're not being relevant, those are all valid arguments to be made. And I think this is going to be the issue for Liv going forward because they, in order for Liv Golf to sustain and become actually relevant and, and last more than two or three seasons – because they have to be relevant. They have to be interesting. They, they have to capture people's attention. And they're going to have a really, really hard time with that because the PGA Tour um, has now made all of the changes necessary uh, that you know people like Phil Mickelson fought so hard for. Uh, they have finally made these changes to the tour. It's going to make it a lot better for younger and up-and-coming players with guaranteed money. They've got these elevated events now, which have higher purses. This is all benefiting the player. And in some ways, it's going to benefit the fans. But another thing that they have done is now they reward players who are playing well, and they're going to have no-cut events. Wow, gee, I wonder where they got that from. Now, I do find it funny that for all of the end of last year, we heard about how no cut events aren't real golf. It's an exhibition. It's not really a tournament. That's not real competition. Blah, blah, blah. It was a huge talking point by everybody. But now oh, about half of half or so is what's projected for 2024 of the elevated events are going to be no cut events with 70 to 80 players uh, playing in those tournaments. And so, Love that or hate it, I don't. I'm indifferent to it. I'm think that's that's fine. The, the the whole cut thing to me has never really been. It's been a, a just a a no issue for me. Either they have it or don't have it. Um, I do think it's not fair for a golfer to not make any kind of money. Period. Uh, even if they don't make a cut, um, because these guys are entertainers. They're they're athletes. They're out there, you know, playing golf. They're out there for you and I to enjoy. Uh, they do deserve some sort of compensation for it. And some of these guys, you know, they, they hit a rut, man. The Bryson DeChambeau plus seven, right? Um, you know, you look at um, uh, Ricky Fowler. He's he's kind of having a, he's having a much better year this year, it looks like. But, you know, last year he was like 160th rank. I mean, he wasn't doing very well. And it, and that can, and, and it can change quick for you in golf. You, you may, you may be doing well one minute and the next minute you're not. And, that could mean you're not making any money, and that can be very hard, especially if you're a young player that's just getting into the tour. Um, it could be hard to be sustain that. And the, the competition level in the PGA is just astronomically high. There's so many good players. It doesn't take much for you to fall out uh, if you're not playing to that level. And so the PGA has made all these changes. And so now Liv has got an issue. Liv is not going to be able to pull players over from – uh, from the, from the PGA, nobody on the PGA is going to go to live unless they feel like they are not competing. They cannot compete in the PGA 
and they can't make any real money. But that's the whole thing. There's now guaranteed. There is guaranteed. I think it's like $500,000 guaranteed to all players or something like that. It depends on like where you're at and your level or blah, 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 or how, how young you are, how much of a rookie or, or whatnot. I believe it's been a while since I've read the, the news on all that. It was all last year. But but regardless, you're probably going to be financially better off now in the PGA than you were a year ago, regardless of who you are and how well you're playing. So there's really no incentive for these guys to go over to live. And so now what do you do? Well, the problem is the reason one, one of the reasons live was so one of the things that makes the PGA so great, besides the fact that it has its history and its prestige is the fact that they have these these really star studded players that bring a high level of interest to these tournaments. You know, you have guys that are, you know, people want to watch Rory. They want to watch Spieth. They want to watch, you know, um, Scotty Scheffler. These are the players that they are coming out to see. And it makes golf extremely exciting. And because of the history and the prestige of these events, when you have a nobody player, someone who's fresh on the league, maybe just off the corn ferry, when they come out and those guys win, it helps them become relevant. And if they do really well, like if you have a Scotty Scheffler to just, man, just comes out of nowhere, well then, you, you, you've got yourself kind of a phenom status and then they, they just can become more and more elevated. And that just continues to, and that just continues. It's like, just like the NFL when you have or, or college football or any sport really that's been around for a long time. These players show up, they're nobody. They perform really, really well. They become somebody and now everybody wants to watch them. The PGA tour can get away with that because of their history and their legacy and the, the events around the PGA tour live is going to have an issue because live cannot recruit these studs from the PGA. Now there's not going to be any amount of money to pull them over because one, the PGA is going to compensate them very well Two, as of right now, nobody's going to get world uh, ranking points playing for live, which is going to, which I said last year, if live doesn't get world ranking points, they're dead in the water. They're done. They've got two or three years and they're done. Um, and the reason, and it all falls back to what the point I'm trying to make now, which is you can't recruit PGA tour players. So you cannot recruit the stars at the PGA. They're not going to want to come over to you. And so where are you going to get your talent from? Where are you going to pull players from that are going to be exciting and that are going to draw eyeballs to your league? That's the that's the golden question. Do you pull them from the Corn Ferry, college, DP, Asian Tour? What do you do? And even if you do pull from there, there's no guarantee. See, the problem for... The problem for live, the problem is they, they have hedged their bets that their stars like Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka, that all of these guys are going to be the reason why people come to watch live because they want to watch the best. These guys were some of the best golfers in the world at one point and were probably last year, which Cam Smith and definitely was Dustin Johnson was at one point as well. They want to, they're hedging their bets that this is going to, bring the attention. But if Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith aren't performing very well, which they're not right now, and they haven't at all this year. Well, that really hurts them a lot. And then eventually, guess what? Um, you're going to have to have somebody to replace them. So Liv has a problem here. And I don't know how they rectify it. I don't know how they so- solve it. The PGA tour, uh, move some pieces around on the chessboard and they're doing fine and they're going to retain their players and everything's good. Uh, I think the one saving grace that could be, that could help live are the guys that are eligible to go play on the majors. If they go out and play well, even if they don't win, if they can go out and show up and play well, I think that could help a little bit. But the problem is, you know, Dustin Johnson's not getting any younger. Brooks Kepka is too hit or miss on his game. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, he had a, he won last year at Live, but he's too inconsistent. He's not the same Brooks Kepka that he once was. I think he knows that too, which is why he came to Live to begin with. 
Um, and Cam, Cam Smith is one of your younger guys. He's one of the studs, but beyond that, like who? You know, you can't expect one guy to carry an entire league. It's not going to work that way. He's, you know, he's not Tiger Woods. Um, so they have a, they got a big hurdle to get over here and maybe things will change. Maybe these, these guys will start playing better and they'll be in the top 10 soon. Um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's my biggest, my biggest beef is, yeah, it's been a little, I agree. It's been a little kind of lackluster. It's not been as interesting as it was last year. And I think the biggest reason for that is because the, the best players aren't doing well right now. It's not like the PGA where if Spieth's not doing good, chances are Justin Thomas is doing well or, you know, you got Tommy Fleetwood or somebody else, you know, somebody else is going to be in the top five that you can root for. And I find that to be the case almost 99% of the time with PGA champ with the PGA tours. There's always somebody that I like to pull for in the top five, which makes the golf interesting, but nonetheless, I mean, let's, uh, you know, the Arnold Palmer invitational and everything else, the, the PGA golf has been freaking lights out this year. I mean, what was it? Um, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, what they have like seven guys tied for second place, one shot behind the behind first. I mean, we could have had a, it was looking like at any moment we could have gone into a, a seven or eight man playoff. I mean, talk about how cool would that been. And it was so much fun to watch. And so the, the, to me, I'm like, I, I, like I said, I like live. I really do. I enjoy watching it. I have not enjoyed as much watching it much this year as I did last year. And I will say the, and, and that might just be because right now, man, these PGA events are just lights out so much better than anything. I mean, they're just been so exciting. Um, we're going to touch on the Valspar thing here in just a moment for sure. Um, some other things I saw on Twitter too, in terms of lives, you got, like I said, you've always got the live haters, but you know, the problem I, I, the thing I don't like is people were kind of downplaying Danny Lee's win. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that yeah, it's not a PGA tour event. Sure. There's probably less top talent in live than there is in the PGA, but there are still lots of great golfers, uh, in live golf, you have to come out to play if you want to win. And that's obviously evident because you have guys like Cam Smith that are finishing 200 and they're 24th Brooks cap at 24. These guys aren't bad golfers. They didn't suddenly become bad golfers because they went to live and they're no longer at the PGA. These guys were top 10 world best golfers at one point, Cam Smith being number one at one uh, for a little bit last year. Uh, certainly number two, I think more or less, he was number two. Um, so he had a great year. He's a, he's a freaking phenomenal golfer. Um, so it's not, I don't think it's good to take it. Yeah. They're, really getting, they're getting paid. They don't care. It's eh, maybe you can make that argument for someone like cam Smith. He's getting paid. He doesn't care. He's already won a major. He doesn't care. He's got nothing to prove, but for someone like Danny Lee, he's coming out to play because that number one spot or his team spot, um, that's a big purse. That's a big payday. And so there's a lot riding on there. I mean, those, you know, you're talking about $2 million, $3 million putts. Um, so these guys want to win. They want to win that big paycheck. And not only that, they just want to win. They're competitive. I mean, you tell me one person who golfs, who plays golf, either semi-pro, pro, amateur, whatever, just a Sunday golfer. And you ask them a question like, "Hey, if, if you could play on the live and win and have that trophy in your in your in your house, would you would you do it?" They're going to say yes, a hundred percent. Because who wouldn't want to have a live tournament win under their belt? I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. A hundred percent, I wouldn't turn it down. A win's a win, if it, you know what I mean. So these guys are coming out to play. They're coming out to. They want to win. Um. And I, I, they were a lot of people on Twitter were mocking Danny Lee's comments about how he didn't think he can't win anymore. He thought winning was no longer in it. Um, here's what here's what Danny Lee said uh, in his interview. I'll roll it. Roll two. Dumb. Danny, down Danny, to you. only your second live event, and to win it in this style in front of your teammates and all this crowd, you must be absolutely pumped. It was a. Uh... 
I'm speechless right now. Honestly, I wasn't even looking at the individual score all day. I was only asking about the how how is our team doing. That's the reason why Kevin called. That's why I wanted to come over here and win as a team. But we're a little bit short on the team. But this individual victory is a it mean, means a lot. I haven't won since 2015. I just felt like when it's just not my thing, but today just changed that. It, it's just good to see I'm capable of playing some good golf again. In Mexico, Kevin Nott told me he, you're his secret weapon. You got them a podium finish. What's it like playing in this team environment, not just an individual environment? I just, love, I, I just love it. For me, I think it's even better mentally because I can never give up one shot out here because team is watching. You don't know what's going to happen out here. So I just love it. Well, they're right behind. Yeah, so I, 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 you could see the emotion. Like you can't hear it as much in the clip, but when you watch the video, he was very emotional. You could tell he was super excited when he won. I mean, he the putt just went goes in the hole. He throws his hands up in the air. You know, he's super stoked, and and I'm happy for him. And I think we should all be very happy for him. I don't think there's any reason why we should be negative or or kind of laugh at him because he can't win. Um, it, it, it's crap like that it just bothers me so much. You know, these guy, these Twitter warriors that they haven't won a damn thing in their life and they're sitting here criticizing this guy because he's excited that he finally won. I mean, Brooks Kepa got very emotional last year when he won um, because Brooks didn't think he could win anymore. Uh, and that's a, that's a problem in golf because golf is hard and golf can golf is abusive uh, mentally to you. Um, it is a mental game. And so if you, if your game goes off, it can throw you into a spiral. And if you can't get out of it, you know, you may think you're done like you're, and especially if you're someone like Brooks who has one, who's been competitive, who's done really well. And then suddenly you're not, it can, I can mess with you. Um, and so I'm happy for him. Good job, Danny. Uh, hopefully you win some more. Um, but like I said before, Liv has got an issue here because no offense to Danny Lee, Danny Lee's not going to put butts in the seats, uh, in terms of viewership. They want to see cam. They want to see Dustin Johnson and everything. And they're just not getting that right now. Um, uh, but long-term, if they can't figure out some way uh, to get elevated players, to make to bring that sort of interest um, to, to live, I, I just, I don't personally see, I don't, I just don't personally see it uh, lasting more than a couple of years because like I said, you're not going to pull PGA players over anymore. So who's going to be the interesting talent? Where's that going to come from? I don't have that answer. Um, but I guess we'll find out, uh, on to other news back, you know, so that's live on to PGA. If you didn't know the Valspar championship happened over the weekend as well. And the winner of that was, uh, was more, uh, he Taylor Moore came back. He kind of grinded his way from, uh, I think he was in the top 10 or something like that. He grinded his way back. It looked like, uh, we were potentially going into a three-man uh, playoff here. Uh, it's almost like something was in the water this weekend with between him, Shank, and Spieth. Uh, Spieth was playing great golf. Fleetwood was not too too far behind either. Uh, at one point, he was looking pretty decent too. But he fell off just a little bit earlier. Um so he was kind of a non-compete there towards the end. Here is uh, Taylor Moore's victory uh, at the uh, Valspar Invitational. How about that score? 67 today. That is some big-time golf on the Copperhead course. Plenty of speed. It almost hit the stick. So much speed on it. Well, Shank wasn't going to leave that short. And Taylor Moore is a PGA Tour winner in an unlikely scenario coming down the stretch. He closed really strong and we did it, sweetie. <laughs> passed everybody up in the end. You happy? Mayday, Caddy. And there's his fiance, Lexi. Clutch birdie is on 15 and 16. You are now a PGA Tour champion. Describe your emotions. Yeah, it hasn't really hit me yet. You know, I've 
just in compete mode and then you know just watching the guys finish and maybe in a playoff maybe not but it's uh it's it's so cool it's so awesome you know it's what i work for and and just uh really excited not only for me but for everybody around me and on my team and um yeah cool moment well congratulations a lot of family members here with you yep so uh there you go um congratulations to you taylor that's fantastic um it's interesting to note the like the difference in just the energy from the announcers from live to PGA. I will, I'm going to tell you the announcers at, at live are like, I don't, here's the thing. Like I don't hate the PGA announcers. I like them. They're good. Um, but I also really love the energy of, of the live guys. They, they bring a little bit more intensity and I don't, I don't, I don't mind either one. It's kind of a weird thing. It's like, I don't know if I'd want that energy at the PGA tour. Cause it's like, you know, I don't expect it. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, he, he grinded back on that one. That was a, a heck of a finish for him. It's one of those situations, too. Like, this is where golf, I, again, we just said like a second ago, golf is a fickle mistress. Like, you just don't know what to expect. And, you know, Jordan Spieth, for the most part, looked like he was certainly going to win it um, or at the very least go into this playoff. And he finished tied third. You know, he he kind of mucked up that 18th hole and missed it. I think he three-putted to go eight under for the, for his uh, total score. Um, whereas more, you know, all credit to more. I mean, he, his round, he finished four under for the round. I mean, he fought and played very, very well where everyone just kind of else just kind of fell apart there at the end. And you know, it's just, that's golf. You know what I mean? We've all been there. You hit the great, you hit great shots. And then the next shot is completely opposite of that, you know, and you just don't really know. Uh, what to expect. Um, and yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. I was really kind of hoping personally, I was really kind of hoping personally for um, like a three-way playoff. Personally, I thought that was going to be really, really fun to watch. And, and unfortunately, it just it didn't happen. Um. But yeah, good for him. Valspar, uh, I, I will say this, as much as people want to talk about um, that final round was extremely interesting. It was fun to watch. It was exciting. The first two, three rounds of Valspar, uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, I, but it's the Valspar. It, the players, whew, totally exciting. You know what I mean? The Arnold Palmer, I mean, it was just it was, it was lights out, right? It's the Valspar. I mean, what do you, you can't, it's not going to be the same as the players. It just isn't going to be the same in terms of his, his excitement. And again, you, you can make the argument. The players wasn't that exciting because Scotty Scheffler kind of took the lead, uh, a long way down. There were some guys on Twitter and I, I, you know, they were making the point of the, you know, saying that the idea that, because people will criticize the shotgun start to live. And they say that the part of the thrill of the PGA tour is you have guys starting at all different times at different points. And you never really know where you stand until everyone kind of comes, it kind of wraps it up. You know, you could finish your round uh, early and you may not be number one. And then before you know it, you're number one, right? Or vice versa. You start your round and you, you climb your way to number one, much like more, like more was not in, he wasn't close to winning. Um, he wasn't probably even expected to win this event and yet he does because he climbs his way back. And that is certainly an exciting part of it if it works out, but it doesn't always work out that way. And the players is kind of one of those examples where sometimes there's just a guy who just runs away with it. And at that point, there's, there's nothing you can do. You know, Scheffler, it was Scheffler's to lose. Uh, I think three holes in from 18. Um, does that, does that kind of, devalue that event. I don't personally think so, but some people were saying it was, it was boring. It was just as boring as live or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's golf guys. Like, you know, it's not always going to be super exciting. Um, it can't always be like the Arnold Palmer invitation where you have all these dudes that are just, you know, right there. Um, in contention, seven guys in contention for the number one spot. And you just don't know, and it's, and it's super exciting, right? And part, and you have, you know, McElroy and Scheffler and Spieth are all in there. 
Patrick Cantlay. I mean, that was honestly some of the best golf I've watched in a long time. Um, it's just the way it goes. You just never know how it's going to play out. The shotgun start thing. Um, I don't like, I don't personally hate it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I will say though, this goes back to my point before when you have players like your best players aren't performing very well, it pulls the focus off of, off of those top players, the ones that people really want to watch. Like I don't want to watch live for Danny Lee. Sorry, Danny. Don't want to be rude. Um, I watched live golf cause I want to see how cam Smith's doing. I'm, I'm interested in Dustin Johnson and um, in some ways and, and a little bit of Brooks Kepka. you know, I want to see what's Phil up to. <clears throat> the problem is when you have everybody out at the same time, you can really only cover so many people and they're going to focus on your top five, top 10 guys more than not. And so you're not going to get the TV coverage of your favorite players if they're not performing well, whereas you might get more, you might get better TV coverage on the PGA because not everybody's out there at the same time, at least not all at once. <clears throat> So I can see there's a, there's a lot of arguments to, to between all of this. Uh, but all in all, the Valspar, I thought, had a, a fantastic in, finish. I thought it was very interesting. Didn't know how it's going to go down. Um, I guess the next big event is going to be the Masters. Um, you got the Valero Texas Open. Uh, and then you have the Corral, Corrales uh, Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Um, nobody really cares. Whatever. Um, the Masters, baby. That's where it's all at. The Masters, the Masters. Oh, gosh. I look. I don't know about you, but boy, do I just get excited. I look forward to it every year. Uh, I am looking forward to it this year. We are going to have on this podcast, I'm very excited to announce this. It's going to be... Um, after action coverage of the masters. Um, right now it's just me on this podcast, but I will be having a co-host here soon. He's probably not going to be on all the time, uh, but he will be on hopefully the majority of the time with me talking about golf, talking about things. We're also going to have, you know, we're going to have the interviews and all that other thing, all that other fun stuff. But on days like today where we're just kind of talking news and you know, how these events went and just talking about whatever, um, He's going to be joining me. That's Stan Autry. If you don't know who Stan Autry is, he is a sports writer. He writes for Golf Georgia. Uh, he does a lot of work with the USGA and among other things. I'll let him introduce himself. He'll do a much better job of it than I will. Uh, but he's fantastic. Um, he's inspired me to get into writing for uh, golf. I have my Firestone article. If you haven't heard or read my Firestone article in the USGA Golf Georgia Digital Edition, it just posted up. You can go over there and read it. You will have to be a member to read it, but it is, you know, what it is. You got to be a member, you know, support them. They're a great organization. Uh, I did an article. I did a trip to Firestone Country Club in Ohio. It's an absolute blast. It was so much fun. Um, but he is my kind of my mentor in terms of sports writing. So he's one of the reasons why I got interested in it. And I, and I, and he's the reason why I, I got to go to Akron, Ohio to go to, to do Firestone. And he's the reason why I'm going to Alabama and Gaylord. So, uh, he will be on this show and I'm excited about that. So we look forward to him and we're, he's going to be at the masters because he, uh, does all the new, he does, he writes up stuff for the masters and he gets to go there. He gets invited part of the media, lucky him. Maybe one day I'll get to go, uh, be a media person there. Uh, that's a nice, that's a nice goal to have. And I think uh, that is going to be one of my goals is to be invited uh, to, to go to the Augusta and do media reporting for the masters. That would be fan fricking tastic. Uh, and then maybe one day play Augusta. That would be even, even better. I'm not worthy to play Augusta. I feel like, but I will do it uh, for sure. I'll never turn that down. Um, so we got that coming up. So that'll be, um, all four rounds. It'll be in the evening. We'll do probably 30 minute pods. Talk about what we found. He's going to have, um, he's going to be able to talk to the players and kind of get the scoops. Uh, and we'll, we'll be talking about all that stuff. So that's really exciting. Check that out. 
Uh, on to the news. So yeah, good job, Taylor Moore. Congratulations, Danny Lee. Fun weekend of golf. Um, took home a ten or one point five million dollar purse for Mister Moore. That's a good payday for him. Him, him steak dinners for everybody. Uh, if you haven't heard this, then you're probably living under a rock. This is the main topic of the podcast today. USGA and RA proposed plan to roll back golf ball for elite players. What in the world do we got going on here? What do you mean roll back a golf ball for the elite players? No, this doesn't affect you and I. You and I can still buy Pro V1s if we want to. I personally don't because they're expensive. But they are a damn good golf ball. This doesn't affect you and me, but the, it does affect the best of the best. The article here says the United States Golf Association and the RA are proposing a new rule that would allow tours and tournaments the option to require elite men's players to use a golf ball that will be tested under modified launch conditions to curtail how far it is hit. The new rules, which will not affect the types of balls that recreational players can buy, would take effect in January 2026 if adopted. The governing bodies will receive feedback from manufacturers and others until August 14th. The governing bodies said that the proposed rule changes would reduce hitting distances by about 14 to 15 yards on average for the longest hitters with the highest club head speeds. So that's 14 to 15 yards on average for the longest hitters. What is it going to be for the average hitter? Is it the same or is it more? I have to think it would be more. Um, Anyway, the article goes on to say USGA CEO Mike Wan uh, and RA Chief Executive Martin Slumbers said the changes uh, Slumbers said the changes, if adopted, would be used at its respective championships. The Masters, PGA Championship, the P- and PGA Tour events also would have the option of, of using the rule. Slumber said that the rule change wouldn't affect elite women players. In the debates and the arguments that will certainly ensue over the next days and weeks, that will be all a part that we all, excuse me, that will all be a part of, I think we'll constantly find ourselves in this discussion about somebody saying, why would you do this today? The game is fine today, Juan said. Just know that on behalf of both of us, we understand and respect how great the game is. We certainly don't want to get in the way of that success. And yet you are. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. This is not really about today, he says. It's about understanding the historical trends over the last 10, 20, 40 years and being able to very predict and be and being able to be very predictive in terms of those trends over the next 20 or 40 years going forward and questioning whether or not the game can sustain 20 or 40 years from now the kind of increases that are so incredibly easy to predict. If we simply do nothing, we pass that on to the next generation and to all the golf course venues around the world for them to just simply figure out. John Daly became the first PGA Tour player to average more than 300 yards off the tee in 1997. Tour players averaged just 267.7 yards on drives that season. This season, however, tour players are averaging 297.2 yards, and the governing body said hitting distance had increased by about one yard per year over the past two decades. Uh, the article goes on here as custodians of our sport. We're of the view that at the elite male level, both amateur and professional were crossed. The route we've crossed the Rubicon with regards to where hitting distance is, but more where hitting distance is, but more importantly, where it is trending. And it's our responsibility as governing bodies to propose change to protect the long-term integrity of our sport. Slumber said. Golf has become more athletic and and technology has improved substantially. And it is the future impact that is the most pressing concern to the USGA and the RA. In a release, the USGA and RA said golf balls that would conform to the new rule must not exceed the overall distance standard of 317 yards and no more than 320 yards on carry and roll. Under the changes, balls would be tested with club head speed of 127 mile per hour and based on a calibration set up for 11 degrees and 37 revolutions per second or 220, uh, 2,220 RPMs as part of this proposal. 
All other golf balls, including those used by recreational golfers, would continue to be tested at existing conditions of 120 mile per hour and a calibration setup of 10 degrees and 42 revolutions per second. The group said that they will not propose a rule change, at least not at least for now, on addressing the forgiveness of a driver's face. <clears throat> the second piece of feedback we've heard is a rule change on the driver would impact multiple clubs, and the unintended consequence would be three woods or other clubs that perform better than drivers, and thus multiple clubs would need changing, Slumber said. So in other words, it's not so simple to just change your driver you know, it's like, well, why don't you just make clubs less forgiving? Well, we can't do that to the driver because then it, the driver becomes less effective than a three-wood, blah, blah, blah. We have to do it to all the clubs, and that would be kind of hard to do. Well, I would make the argument that going after the golf ball is probably the biggest mistake you can possibly make. Now, I understand the logic here that over the course of the last 20 or 40 years, that distances have gone up by about a, a yard per year. And by that logic, you would think that that would continue to trend that way. But my question is, how far have we really got, you know, how much further can we really go with a golf ball? There's so many golf balls out there that claim to go further and straighter and faster and farther, blah, 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 all the marketing gimmicks. But the reality is when you put a pro behind these golf balls, and I'm talking about all the balls that are, you know, that are Pro V1s or equivalent in terms of their brand, like the Bridgestone version of a Pro V1, blah, blah, blah. These pro guys, these guys, these pro, you put a Scotty uh, Scheffler up there, you put Bryson DeChambeau, whatever. They're going to hit those golf balls all about the same distance, same trajectory, very little difference between the two. It might be a five to 10 yard variation when you really get down to it. Because these guys, these companies have really maxed out the technology. I mean, sure, they could come up with something new, uh, something better. But the reality is it's unlikely. And I think the answer to this would not be to roll back the golf ball, but rather cut the, if you're going to have, if you're going to go after the golf ball, we're not going to negotiate this. Me personally, I would not touch the golf ball. I would just leave it alone. Um, I love to see these bombs that these guys are crushing. I love to see these shots they're taking. They're not shots that the average golfer can take. Um, it's so impressive. It inspires us as amateurs to want to go out to the course and do that. We want to use, you know, you know, brands brands like Titleist and and and, and Bridgestone and Callaway are not going to want to go for this because players, amateur players like myself, want to use what the pros are using. Right, because we want to play as good as the pros do, so we're going to want the best ball, the best clubs, the best per- to get the best performance. So I don't think going after the ball is going to work. I don't think it's going to work. From I think the money from, I think money talks. I think these manufacturers are going to put the kibosh on this. Uh, they're not going to let this go, um, or maybe they will because it's an opportunity for them to make another golf ball. But that's the thing; like nobody's going to buy that golf ball outside of the PGA tour and golf and these players don't pay for their golf balls. They they're, they're given to them. And so there's, this isn't a money-making opportunity for golf ball manufacturers because they get to produce a new ball. It's actually probably going to cost them something and it's not going to net them a return because no average golfer is going to go buy a golf ball. That's going to restrict his distance. It's ridiculous. So it's a bad idea. I don't think you're going to see dramatic increases in distance you probably will see an increase in distance over the next five years. And it might still be like that one yard per year, but I really doubt you're going to see it continue to go. You're going to hit a pin, uh, like you're going to hit a pinnacle here. It's going to peak. You know, you can only make a golf ball do so much unless we come up with some other type of coating or some other type of material. And and maybe that'll happen. But if you're going to go after golf balls, which I don't think you should, then just stop here. Say no more like pro V ones as they are now. That is what the pros can use. Nothing more, nothing less. So there is no more. You guys can make like Taylor or Titleist. You can come up with a much better golf ball than the pro V one is right now. That flies further, faster, better, stronger, straighter, whatever. But the pros won't be able to use it. I wouldn't roll it back. 
that's not a good idea. Um, it's not a good thing for the ball manufacturers. It's not a good thing for the pros. Listen, no pro wants this either. I actually have not met anybody um, who likes the idea of the ball rollback. Maybe you do. Hit me up on Twitter uh, or, or Facebook or Instagram and, and let me know, the Golf King. Um, I would like to know. Maybe maybe you maybe you do like it. Um, I... I have not met anybody who thinks this is a good idea. Not, not one. Um, you can also Google me at golf King live at gmail.com. If you have questions or concerns, or you want to just tell me, um, if you had anything you wanted to tell me about the ball rollback, your opinions on the ball rollback. I, I think personally the the thing that could separate or make a difference would be the clubs. Now they kind of do this with baseball where you know baseball players can't use professional baseball players can't use aluminum bats because if they did they'd be just knocking them out of the park all the time so they're forced to use wooden bats. So there's kind of an equipment drawback but if you go play on any beer league, softball league or baseball league, they're not swinging wooden bats. They're swinging aluminum bats because everybody knows it's going to give you more distance. It's going to be much more forgiving. And so I would, I would personally love to see maybe less forgiving clubs for the pros. Now I know they're not going to like that, but that certainly would make it more interesting in my mind. If they had to use a driver that had a less forgiving face same thing with three woods and irons and whatnot. Although I will say the irons that these guys use tend to be less forgiving than the irons that most amateurs use. But they also hit much further. It's like if you hit it good, it's going. Um, but you also have to hit it good and be consistent. Um, but that's the only thing. Like I, I understand like there's a there's a huge concern. And this really comes down to, in my, in my personal opinion, this really just comes down to older courses not being able to be up to par of this new generation of golfer. These new generation of golfers are athletes. They work out, they go to the gym, they work on their swing speed, they have tremendous athletic ability. And these old school courses that are, you know, that Jack Nicholas played on and Arnold Palmer played on, they're much shorter courses and they're just, you got drivable par fours and they're just, they're too easy. And I know that these golf courses have that are longstanding institutions that have had tournaments there for a long time. This is their moneymaker. They don't want to lose out uh, on these, on these events because their courses are just too easy and they're losing interest. You got guys shooting like twenty-two under par or or more on a, on a four-day on a four-day round. Like, yeah, I, I understand that they want to try to help that out, but at the end of the day, it's like, listen, um, I don't think it's worth messing with the golf balls or the equipment to to appease a few golf courses that are just too short now. I don't see that being the long-term solution. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it affects the game. The game of golf needs to be as exciting as it possibly can be to maintain the viewership. You don't have a Tiger Woods anymore. I know the PGA is riding on the high of that still from the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and they've got a lot of young prospective talent now that has come from those that Tiger Woods moment. The Spieths and the Justin Thomases and the Finals and all these young guys that came up who were inspired by him. But there's got to be something else. And golf has to be exciting. It's got to be fun. It's got to be something that grabs the attention of this youth. And I think they're doing a good job of that right now. I wouldn't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Don't don't fix something that's not broken. I don't believe that I get it. Everyone's like, Oh, these, these golfers are, they're, they're just too good. They're, they're just dry. You know, they're, I, you listen, you can say what you want about these players being able to drive a par four or shoot 22 under 
You do that. Any amateur golfer will tell you like, we're, we don't, we're not against this. Like that right there is still, even with all the technology uh, and ball tech and club tech and everything and the custom fittings and everything, like you still have to go out there and execute, you know, and that is extremely difficult to do. And it's one of the reasons why golf is so, so interesting to watch is because these guys go out and do things that, I can't do that. My friends can't do. We all want to do it. We all pretend to go out to golf course and try to think we can do it, but we can't. And so when you start to kind of take things away from the players, that's going to affect their ability to stand out like that, or you're trying to do that, even though it may even not, it may not even affect it at all. I mean, they're talking about a, what a 14 to 12 yard dis difference. I mean, what is that really going to do to the game? Like, what is that really going to change? Because at the end of the day, like the drives, drives are important, but what makes or breaks a pro golfer is really their, their short game and their putter. It's how, you know, you got guys out there who can't hit a fairway to save their life on, on a round. And yet their number, their, their second place because they can recover well. I think Spieth really kind of showed that off very well at the, um, I believe it was the Arnold Paul. No, it was uh, the players. Spieth was doing pretty good, but he just, like that final round, he just wasn't good enough. He was just getting in his own way, couldn't hit a decent shot off the tee box. And I think that's what really kept him from winning. But damn it, if he didn't hang around for a while, I mean, he was recovering very, very well. And that's really what it comes down to. It's like, yeah, you, so you want to hurt the you want to hurt the driving distance. It's like, yeah, but that's not going to change that much, especially that minimal of yards. It's just not worth it. This does more harm, in my opinion. This does more harm than good. It does more harm than good for the ball manufacturers, the fans, and the players. And I have yet to meet anybody who agrees with it. And I really hope that they'll take this back and not and not move forward. Um, that's my take, and hopefully. Uh, that'll be the case. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to the golf King podcast. This is, we're back 2023. It's good to be here. We got a lot of big things coming down the pipeline. So be sure to subscribe, be sure to like us, review us. That would help out tremendously. Uh, and if you like the show and you think you have a friend that might like the show, tell them, share it on your Instagram or your Facebook or wherever you social media these days, give us a share. Uh, you, you have no idea just how much, um, that would help. Um, so lots of coming down. I'm glad to be back. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I thank you guys so much for everything and we will be talking to you later. Bye now.